0: He wants to jump one thousand cars
1: sir you have a thousand cars
0: <laughs> i don't think i'd attempt to try this stunt uh,
1: or we, we, we owe this horsepower to uncle sam <laughs> too many co- cars. Yeah,
0: no roses would be uh- like i put my beer belly on it yeah. if you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have
1: you'll really give those up at a yuppie something to think about stay on the bar don't go yeah. off the bar with your bronco 1980 volvo horns what's right like? <laughs> i at a man's coolant <laughs>
0: He's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. Like, it's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's ho- a horrible, very horrible podcast that's content. a very a inside joke. all right tell me we're ready. Cup of i'm
1: recording but okay tell me we're ready and then i'll wait we're ready five seconds all right ready i'm ready welcome to auto off topic hello brad
0: good evening andrew how are you today i'm great i am super great excellent that doesn't sound convincing but i'll let it slide
1: well, you know, not to play under our usual, but it's snowed here today, so let's well, just we do some snow blowing.
0: If we didn't talk weather, we wouldn't talk about anything.
1: That's true. It's not much else to talk about for me. That's the that's only true. thing I drove today was a snowblower.
0: That's that's depressing. It is. I mean, at least it's mechanical. You got to start something and use it.
1: And you know, boy howdy, that thing is twenty years old, and it fires right up. So it's pretty sweet. See,
0: look at that; it's almost yeah. as old as most of our cars.
1: It's the only thing I. Ha- it's technically almost an antique, Uh
0: and it's the only thing I have that has a carb. So that is almost an antique. So that means it's a nine. Nope, so... It's no. Right so it's a two thousand. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's
1: a actually it's a it's a two thousand. It's a tw- it's twenty three years old. so It's very close. So it's to being really an antique.
0: close. So it's really close. <laughs> Speaking of that, so as we've talked, I'm sure ad nauseum to our listeners, we're doing that parked on the block.com. That's right. And I was making a post the other day and I was trying to, you know, think of something that was kind of an interesting story to kind of put together with a for sale car. And I came to the disgusting realization that the Volkswagen new Beetle is no longer a new Beetle. In fact, the first year Volkswagen new Beetle this year is eligible for antique status and special plates in most states. Mm -hmm. 1998, right? Yeah, 98. That's, I don't know why it it hit me the way it hit me because I know, you know, I know 98 was 25 years ago. It just doesn't feel like it, Mm -hmm. but it was. Like, they also,
1: and they also probably came out in 97 as 98s. So, some of them so are
0: old, yeah. They may have been released in '97, but the production, the the model year is '98, which is yeah. what counts, right? So that means that, like I said, the first year of them is eligible for technically vintage plates this year. So I put yep. together a little article about that, and I had found one that was for sale that was an 08 that had a full later model R32 driveline swap, which is pretty rad. But hmm. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna come out in public and say it right here, right now. I uh I genuinely like those cars now. Okay. I with with the right mechanically, they're golfs, right? So yeah. they're pretty simple. Any part that's built for a golf fits that car. They have all the same problems that Mark IVs have. Yeah, which isn't very many. They're pretty reliable cars. I mean they have their own set of issues, but they're very well documented. And they're very easy to overcome most of the time, you know, throughout their, the range of that first body style, new beetle, they came with four different engines. You could have the naturally aspirated two liter. You could have the 1.9 turbo diesel. You could get a, eventually a, a five cylinder, and then also a 1.8 turbo. And every one of those was available with a manual transmission. So they're kind of fun looking. And when you have the right wheel and tire combo with the right, you know, ride height, they look kind of aggressive. And I think it would be a fun little, you know, tool around kind of daily kind of car because it's just it's it's a golf in a whimsical body. Yeah. And looking back at them at 25 years old now, you know, they were the first really of the American market retro cars. You know, there was some Japanese stuff that came out before that wasn't for sale here, like the Figaro's and the whole Nissan line of cars, the Nissan Pike cars. But they're really the beginning of the retro movement here. At the time, you know, I probably didn't like them because in 1998, I was in high school and I wanted like nothing but a sports car. You know, I wanted actually I wanted a Starion (laughs) and I wanted a Volkswagen, but I wanted like a rabbit GTI. So there was kind of no love for the Beetle, but maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's just that they're old now, or maybe it's that I don't care anymore. But I genuinely like them. Okay.
1: Counterpoint. Why not okay. an Audi TT? Mm. Those are
0: arguably cooler looking. I think so. But they don't have... They're not like a retro look of anything else. They're not mm. as fun. They, they're more serious. I think what it is about the Beetle is that it's a normal car underneath mechanically. It's just a Golf or a Jetta that doesn't take itself seriously at all. Whereas I think the TT, the TT Which is, is also almost a like Mark IV. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I think the TT is like a, a try hard Beetle. Yeah, I don't.
1: It was like a real experiment in styling.
0: Sure. And it It was was a squashed Beetle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You either liked it or you didn't like it.
0: I thought I never had a problem with it. I I liked the car. I just don't think I'd want to own an early one. Now I'd rather just have the Beetle because like I said, the Beetle doesn't take itself seriously. And it kind of goes with that. I mean, how much fun would you have going out and doing a track day in a prepped Beetle and just like having pictures of this ridiculous, metallic neon green factor whatever the color was called Beetle out there lapping it up with proper sports cars
1: and also you can buy
0: one for like $2,300 the guy that runs
1: the orange one in the rally is a rally car
0: yeah you know it's just different and I was also having this whole like existential thought about it like now that the Beetle is 25 the new Beetle is 25 years old that means that more time has passed from the beginning of the new beetle to now than passed from the last air-cooled beetle sold in America till the first new beetle. Oh, you're right. Cause that was only 79 to 98. So that's so only, only, what, eight, 18 only 18 years, years, 19 years. Yeah. Ooh. 19 years. Yeah. So now, right <laughs> But think of the technology difference between a 1979 air-cooled Beetle and a 1998 Volkswagen well, Beetle. Well,
1: they were cars from the they were from the 30s.
0: Sure, <laughs> they, but they had, they had been improved over 1979. the 1979. Sure, but they've been improved over the years and things have been Barely. updated. And I'm not saying that it's this it's apples to apples here, but think of. Just think of take yourself out of not being around for that entire 19 years or the entire 25 years. And if you went from a 1979 to a 1998 Beetle, it's going to be like going from this archaic thing that you could buy brand new, which wouldn't even usually have air conditioning to a fully functional car with airbags and air conditioning and, you know, really good audio system and front wheel drive and all this new technology. And then you go from 1998 to today and say, well, we will compare apples to apples here. Say the car, the car, the Beetle was based on the Golf. So I've taken 1998 Golf to a 2000 and actually, this they, they do a Beetle, right? Yeah. Okay. So forget the Golf, go back to the Beetle. So the difference between a 98 Beetle and a 2023 Beetle or 22 Beetle over the last year was, it's not very different. Though the base model is still, you know, 140 horsepower, naturally aspirated engine. There is no, nothing fancy about it. It's still the same basic car. But that difference in that much shorter 19 years is a much bigger difference. I don't know. And maybe now that the 1998 Beetle is an antique, maybe we'll start seeing the value of these cars go up a little bit. Because they're certainly not going to get any cheaper. They're bottom of the barrel prices right now. So, I don't know. Um, I was just having these thoughts, like that kind of be a cool car to experience and own for a little bit. Just to say I did try to make it look as cool as possible, enjoy it for a year or two and move on. But, I don't know. My hot take of the day. I like the new Beetle, which is not really a new Beetle. But I think the official model name was New Beetle, so we still have to call it the new Beetle. It will forever be new by design. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know where that topic came from, but we're here. Here we are, and uh, so this segment brought to you by ParkedOnTheBlock.com. dot com.
1: Yeah, I don't. It's it's crazy, and there's a lot of stuff that's 25 now. That's sure. Come, like um, I've seen like three, maybe two or three Piero evolutions. Yep. Go up for auction.
0: Yep. And they're going for huge money, which is annoying. <clears throat> it is annoying. I mean, it's but. it's not annoying because at least they'll be preserved, but it is annoying because, as diehard Mitsubishi fans, it's annoying that we can't buy them,
1: or yes. that we could,
0: but it would require way more outlay than we're willing to outlay. So I'd rather buy. I mean, what are they going for? Like fifty grand? Yeah. So I'd rather buy 25 first gens. <laughs>
1: maybe not or, that any but no
0: i'm being a little sarcastic but i just it doesn't I, I always wanted one but i'm not gonna pay that kind of money
1: yeah i was saying to you earlier we we're texting i think that early evos have plateaued a bit so sure. that's good for us yeah Evo one, now two and the three. later ones are yep. available
0: yeah evo four and five is five coming yet or soon four or five which yeah and then six is like 99 or 2000 so that's right around the corner they interest me absolutely but sure but they're a lot more money and i don't think there's a huge improvement and on top of all of that we are most familiar with the early style ford g63 and the mechanical aspect of those cars is much more similar with the evo one two and three yeah because they flipped it in the four it goes the opposite way so yeah um yeah, a interesting different architecture. To see what happens yeah. with those early cars. Yeah, no, I think that you're right. I think they've plateaued because other cars of the same performance, you know, I would say five years ago, maybe a little more than five years ago now. Whatever R thirty two skylines first started coming into this country, you yeah. could buy a nice um GTR. For yeah. what, twenty to twenty five grand? Something like that, yeah. And now they're fifty to sixty grand. It's crazy. And at the same time, the Evos that were coming in, the ones and twos, were like fifteen to eighteen was about the money. Yeah. And now you're looking at twenty five for a nice low kilometer car. So they haven't had that same jump that the Skylines had. And they no, I don't think they're going to, but they don't have the same legend. Correct. But I don't think they're going to have that same jump because a the legend and b people are prepping up to buy the fours, fives, and sixes.
1: And it's the same. It's the same thing with the GC WRXs. I think they've kind of plateaued as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the they're WRX, they're just as fun.
0: I think they're, they're a very similar price point to the Evo. After, are they not? Yeah, maybe even a little they, less.
1: Yeah, they're about the same. I think, and they and they also just don't have the even though Colin McRae and. Richard Burns, they just don't have the same legend that an R32
0: carries. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if there was a Colin McRae edition, kind of like there's the Tommy Mackinac edition. Yeah. You'd probably see a huge bump absolutely. for that particular or, car. Like the
1: 22B, right? So that, that's the special one. Yeah, the
0: 22B is their Tommy Mackinac edition, I guess. Yeah.
1: So the then you have like, um, oh, where was I going with this? The, you've got the Subarus, the Mitsubishis, oh, and then you've got like uh, Lancia or Lancia, Lancia Delta
0: Integrales, yep,
1: are like double what you'd pay for an Evo or a
0: a WRX. At least, and and more than that. It also depends on what you want, because there's four different versions.
1: Yeah, and they're very cool, no denying, and I would love to have one, but... Performance-wise, you're not getting much more or at all anything more, maybe even less, than what you get out
0: of a WRX or an EVO of the same vintage. And a car that's more difficult to work on and source parts for. Yes. I mean, I like them, and if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I would certainly buy one. But the problem with the Delta Integrale is there's four different versions of it that, Mm -hmm. at first glance, are the same. So you have the Delta Integrale. 8-valve, then you have a Delta Integrale 16-valve, then you have a Delta Integrale Evo and a Delta Integrale Evo 2. So it's kind of like Evo 1, 2, 3, 4, et cetera, with Mitsubishi versions, but visually they're very similar cars. The 8-valve and the 16-valve, even both have the same, you know, fender flare size. You can buy an 8-valve Integrale for 30 to 35. And I would say that the performance of that car is probably on par with, say, a stock Gallant VR4, because it's the same era of rally car. And a stock Gallant VR4, you're plateauing right now, probably low teens for a car with miles on it. So you're Mm -hmm. talking a car that's, again, like you said, twice as much money. And now that I'm thinking about that out loud or saying that out loud, you're probably right with each iteration. It probably does double the value of the equivalent other group. Yeah, probably rally car of the time so the one the one to get obviously the evolution because the flares are wider and it has more power uh the easiest way to tell at a quick glance a non-evo delta integrale from a newer evo delta integrale is to look at the back of the fender flares on the front fenders because in the 16 valve and 8 valve cars the fender flare curls back into the door and on the evolution cars it has uh, a, like a sharp cutoff at the end because the flare is wider, and it has like a little vent that comes out the back of the flare. So that's your quick in All right. in traffic spotter's guide if you ever see one. The, the 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 visual differences between a sixteen valve and an eight valve are a little a little harder, but that's definitely the way to tell if it's an Evo car or not. Yeah. So and the Evo cars are the big money cars. There's one Certainly. here locally that I've, you know, become friends with the owner of, and uh, it's a super cool white over dark gray Evo, 2, Evo 2, I think, actually. Uh, so it's an amazing car to look at. It's cool to see it. Uh, he parked right next to my Mercore, and uh, I felt really really inadequate next to it, but he was a huge fan of the Mercore, and it's kind of funny. So, Anyway. Where are we going, Andrew? I forgot everything. I'm way off track here. We had had a whole plan laid out, and we've totally got lost. Well, you brought (laughs) us
1: right there. So speaking of homologated four-cylinder turbo rally cars, uh, what did you do to the Mercure?
0: Oh, let's skip over that for one second and go way back, because we did have something to talk about. such a great segment. It was a good segue. (laughs) But we still have another segue here, because we're talking about rally cars. Okay. And we can talk into a rally legend who unfortunately recently passed. Oh, right. We have to talk about Ken Block again um, because there's been a couple of neat tribute liveries that have been released that are going to be run this year. So I think you were talking about one that's going to be run by Pastrana, correct?
1: Yes. Pastrana in World Rallycross is running the camo and gold livery, which I think I talked about is my favorite one of yes. Ken Block's. Because he ran it on the same year STI that I had, yep, and I and it was a neat, I, uh, it was a neat camo, yeah. And after I had had my car for a while, I, I found out about Kim Block, and I, I had the wallpaper that Vermont Sports Car had released on their website way back in two thousand seven. Sure, on my uh, computer,
0: plastered all over your bedroom walls. Oh, all well, computer wallpaper. Gotcha.
1: Um, I did have the poster that was the during the X Games and the Subaru WRX Games. I still have a copy of that around here somewhere. The um, yeah, it it was like in front of like a sugar shack with like the flames coming up, which if the sugar shack is where you
0: make maple syrup, if you're not familiar. Yeah. If you're not from New England or Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um, it was a very, it was a nighttime photo. It was very, very cool. And they did like a tribute to it where they had the same similar flames in the back and they had a 43
0: and it was a picture of the rally cross car at night. It was very cool. So the other one that I've seen teased is uh, actually in NASCAR. So uh, Brad Keselowski, <clears throat> uh, the Ralph Fenway, Keselowski team, RFK racing. Roush Fenway. What would I say? Ralph, Ralph yeah. <laughs> I say Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's i don't know where that came from obviously i know it's roush the roush fenway keselowski you know it's funny i was trying to think of what the k was even though i knew what it was and i screwed the beginning of it so uh i must have been thinking about jordan's dog there so ralph fenway yes roush fenway keselowski racing is doing the ken block tribute livery on their testing car this year so all the preseason stuff will be run with the Livery that he ran during the 2020 World Rallycross season, which is the same livery he ran in ARA the year that he wrecked the Escort. I'm not sure what year that was, probably 17 or 18. Well, that car was white and gray. White and gray, but it had a rainbow livery in between, did it not? No, that was the second version, the V2, whatever they call so, it. Okay, so the car that, that he ran after that then.
1: That was kind of the neon blue, purple. Had Yeah, had like some other colors,
0: the neon colors in there. They're kind of a rainbow-y. Yeah, that's the version two Anyway, I know he yeah. ran it in some ARA events. I'm not sure exactly which ones he ran <clears> it. <in. throat> but he ran it there and he ran it in the 2020 Rallycross. He, so the nose of the car is a white and like faded gray checkerboard. And then it has the five color, you know, kind of rainbow angled stripe Then it has the monster logo. And then the back of the car has the black and gray checkered flag wrapped over the whole thing. So because running that same livery on his car so far, just a preseason, not sure if they're going to be running it on the actual race season or not, but I'm sure they'll run it for at least one or two events. So RFK, which is Roush as we previously embarrassingly got wrong. Um, says they're doing it to bring attention to Block's charity and to remember him by. So he has charities, the 43 Institute or 43i.org. So RFK released a statement saying that they think it's Block's greatest legacy and they want to promote that. And so that's what, how they're doing that and run the car that way. So I think that's it looks cool. pretty cool. I'm hoping they do like a little 164th NASCAR version of it so I can pick one up oh, and put it in the shelves. Well, I bet you Lionel will because they I'm do sure one of every not. car. I'm sure they will, but it'll be cool uh, to get a, get one of those and one of Block's rally car if they ever come up with that. So.
1: And um, speaking of NASCAR, Pastrana is trying to qualify for the Daytona 500.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that should be interesting. I heard that, and I was surprised because normally you don't see a lot of one-off challenges for daytona normally if you see somebody in nascar on a one-off basis it's they a fill-in driver for a sick or injured driver or it's a road course or a weird thing like their dirt course they had some one-off drivers yeah so it's, it's interesting to see that at daytona you don't usually you don't usually see that but i mean he's driven nascars before so it's not unprecedented and no. he certainly has talent behind a steering wheel so i'm yep. sure it will be a successful attempt because I'm sure he also has a. I don't know what team he's driving for. Do you?
1: Uh it's. Uh, I think it's. Oh, you talked about it. It's. Um. I talked I about Michael it. Michael Jordan and. Oh yeah, 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 Denny yeah. Hamlin. Yep.
0: Okay, you're right.
1: It's like twenty three IX. Twenty
0: three IX. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 20 twenty three eleven. Yes. Yeah, which is there. Two numbers, that's Jordan's number and uh, Hamlin's number. Yeah. So 23xi, actually, I think it would be 11. Yeah, because yes. 10 and yes. 1, so 23xi. Ix is 9, X11 yep. is x, <laughs> X11. X11. X1 X11 is 11. x was a trim package <laughs> and suspension upgrade on a Chevy Citation back nah. in the early nah. 80s. So X1.
1: Oh, before I, so. we move on, I I did learn an interesting fact about that camo livery. Okay. Supposedly that was the first time anyone had done a full wrap on a rally car in the United States. Interesting. It makes sense that Hoonigan
0: would be the one to do it. 2005. Yeah. That's crazy. Was that car originally? Weren't there three different versions of that? Wasn't there a blue? Well,
1: so there was three, but they were gumball cars that he used. Right. Then this one was a built rally car. That I believe he rented from, I could be getting this wrong, but I believe he brought, like rented it from Vermont Sports Car. Okay. And had it wrapped, and then maybe purchased it later and had it wrapped in this camo mm-hmm. color. Interesting.
0: I know it was a neat looking car, so. Because one and of it his before, first. Yeah. It was before camo wrap was kind of played out. <laughs> yeah. They did like a, they did a black camo, a blue camo, and the white camo for these gumball cars. Okay. That's why like, I remember, the big push with that those three cars in the media. I think they were as a giveaway with those, if I'm not mistaken, too.
1: Maybe. 2005, Gumball 3000
0: was a big deal. Yep. Still. Not yep. much anymore. Yeah, not so much anymore. Okay, so now we can move on to project car updates. So yes. will start with you, Andrew. Have you done any project car updates out there in the snowy uh, white north? Zero. Perfect.
1: Just well, I, I cleared snow off them
0: perfect so, i'm, so keeping, I'm keeping the torch on the flying <laughs> i'm keeping the torch flying out here i guess so i did a few things this week uh i did my oh i think we left off last week the corolla didn't start again so i think number one thing was i wanted to get the corolla started so this all started on friday unfortunately i had a busy week it didn't touch things till friday but Saturday morning, I was intending to go to uh, what is called Shakedown at the 4-4 coffee shop here. And that is the, you know, vintage Euro and so it's a European and Japanese car day. It It's kind of, I say vintage because I want it to be vintage, but it's really not a modern car I show up to. But I wanted to go to that and I wanted to use the Colt because I haven't driven it in, I don't know, a solid three months. It's just been kind of in storage. Not for any reason, it just kind of hasn't been driven because other things have been around and in front of it. So I said, "Okay, I want to drive this car. Now, you know how my my storage situation layout is. There is a single lane. And you have to, if you want the fourth car back, to move the front three cars, right? So the first car in this storage lane was the Corolla, which did not start. And I said, well, that's not a big deal. I'll just push it out of the way and deal with that later. But then I was thinking about it. And I know the car behind it is the Mercore, which also wouldn't start. And I'd have to push that. So I didn't want to push two cars and then get back to the next car behind that, which would be the 944. And hopefully that would start. And then move that out of the way and have already pushed two cars. And especially because, unfortunately, Naomi had foot surgery a couple weeks ago so she wouldn't be able to help me push cars back and there's a little bit of a downward slope from the uh the row of storage so i can get the cars out by myself but getting them back in the corolla i can handle the colt i can push the mercore is not a light car to push back up a sort of an incline so that would be difficult so i decided that instead of just pushing broken cars out of the way maybe it would be a good idea to fix them in the order of which they are blocking the access to the driveway. (laughs) So that meant instead of pushing the Colt, I should actually fix the Colt. So knowing that I had the issue where the engine would not start, the starter would just repetitively click and I changed the battery and it worked. I went up to the car saying, okay, it's a brand new battery my issue must be some kind of voltage drop somewhere. So the first thing that comes to your mind obviously is a bad ground. So I got in the car and I put the key in the ignition and the key buzzer came on because the door was still open. And I went to start it and it did the same thing where it just kind of made that noise and nothing happened. I turned the key back to off, but it was still in the ignition column. And the, oh, sorry, in the steering column and the ignition cylinder, and the alarm buzzer did not go. And I was like, huh, that's weird. So I said, all right, let me try to honk the horn. I went to honk the horn, it didn't work. I turned the lights on, they didn't work. I was like, okay, now there's no power. That's weird. So I went in the garage and I got my multimeter, came out, measured the battery, 12.6 something volts. Like, okay, there's plenty of power to the battery. That's weird. So I went in the car and there is an override switch for the electric fan that was put in the car and I turned the electric fan on and nothing happened. And I walked to the car and I took my 10 millimeter and I just hit the two battery terminals just with everything connected. And I heard the fan kick on and I said, okay, obviously this proves that there's power in the battery, there's power in the car and there's some kind of a bad connection somewhere. Now, if you remember back a couple weeks ago, I was talking about diagnosing the original bad battery because that battery went bad and it super sulfated the terminals on top. So I had spent time cleaning these terminals with uh, a mixture of water and baking soda, which is the best way to clean battery terminals. I've learned there's no chemical product in the world that works better. So I knew that the terminals were super clean and I said, well, I know the terminals, so let's go back to the actual um, ground cable that comes off of the negative side of the battery and take a look at that. So if you are familiar with these body style Corollas, the ground cable comes off the battery and it goes immediately to a ground that's on the fender. It's actually a shared fender bolt. So the battery, the the negative ground cable is sheathed in black plastic. There's a section where it's cut open. And it has this like almost like a ring that goes around it. And then that ring has another eyelet that bolts to the fender. And that looked a little bit corroded, but not too bad. So I said, well, I'm going to take that off and I'm going to clean that. So I went to disconnect the battery. When I disconnected the battery, I noticed that inside the post connector where it has one of those generic aftermarket ones with the two bolts on top and like the little band that goes over. Oh, they're terrible. They're terrible, but that's what what you buy at the store because it's the only thing that exists at the parts store.
1: No, they have
0: other ones now. O'Reilly's doesn't, I can tell you that. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. So I pulled that cover off, and inside that cover, it was the rustiest, most garbage thing you've ever seen. There's no way there was any current going through that or barely any current going through that. So I said, okay, I'm going to clean all this up. So I cleaned it all up. Got it all back together. Everything went pretty well. Again, I used that same baking soda and water trick with an old toothbrush. I actually used a pick to separate all the threads of the wire just to make sure I got all of the stuff out in between. Retwisted it up, put it back together. Went to start the car. The car cranked over. Didn't fire right away because it was, you know, chilly out and the car had run for a while, but it cranked over. So now we're at a positive, right? a negative oh hey well you're about to regret that joke because now i'm moving to the positive cable because okay. as i went to start the car it just stopped cranking and now it wasn't doing the full like the starter making like the the bendix like rattling noise it would just oh, do weird like, and that was it generation and that was it nothing beyond that i was like huh Well, I know that that ground cable is now good. I cleaned both ends of it, actually. I said, let me take a look at the positive cable. Maybe there's an issue here because the battery has plenty of juice. We've already established this. So I went to the the positive cable and I had that same kind of terminal on it. I went to take the bolts off the top of it and the positive cable was so corroded that I couldn't turn the bolts holding that top strap down. And in fact, when I I had a regular small um, wrench, not even anything like big with a lot of torque behind it, I literally ripped the stud right out of it because it just turned to dust as I was doing it. So that's how much corrosion was caused by that sulfated battery that was in the car prior. Well, I think this is like years of corrosion. It could be, but I'm wanting to blame that battery that was in the car. So anyway, it uh, it basically turned to powder in my hands. And then I had to figure out a way to get the bolts apart. I got it, I got it done, but it wasn't easy. So I go to the parts store and buy a new positive terminal. And the only ones that O'Reilly had were that style. They didn't have anything else to change it over to. So I have a new one of a brand new one of those ends on there, which is fine for now. But the same thing, I cleaned everything up with the baking soda and water mixture and got it all together. And that was Friday night of yeah. Friday night. And here it's Monday night. We're recording this and I've driven the car every day and it's uh, been no problem at all. Tons of power. Car starts right up. No issue. Tons of power in the starter and battery, not the car itself, obviously. Mm. So I, uh, I think we can call that one fixed, it sounds like. Moral of the story is I did not take the Colt to 4-4's shakedown day, because I spent the entire day, Friday, working on the entire day, but the allotted time I had on Friday working on the battery cable connections and replacing cable connections in the Corolla instead. So I didn't have any chance to dig beyond that plus i said i wasn't going to do it until i had the mercore fixed so corolla's good been driving the corolla no issue at all i actually just made a deal this afternoon with uh, another person in town who has a corolla and he's getting the better deal here it seems like but i want stock fenders this bad and i am trading him uh my wheels and tires and my fenders for his stock brown vendors Okay. So I don't want those wheels and tires anyway. And I want stock fenders and he has stock fenders and he wants my wheels and you can't run the wheels that I have without cutting the fenders. So rather than cut up another set of perfectly good 1980 fenders, we're just going to trade fenders because his happened to also be brown. Which is strange because his car is cream colored, but his nose is off of a different car. It just happens to be the same color as mine. (laughs) <laughs> will he trade you the hood as well uh we haven't come across that point yet but we'll see um i'm not worried about it because when i paint the roof and the hood and everything together it's not a big deal i wouldn't even care if the vendor's matched i'd rather have mismatched fenders than cut flared fenders the only disadvantage to this whole thing is his car does have fender mirrors and I wasn't going to run Fender Mirrors on my car. But since the new Fenders are already drilled for Fender Mirrors, I guess I might as well just run Fender Mirrors.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fine.
0: They're not the worst thing. The Fender Flares to me are what I don't like. So I can live with the Fender Mirrors. So what so. wheels are you going to put on it? Uh, I'm going to put on, uh, for now, I'm going to put on the... um. Yep, you know the name of better than I do. What's the name of those wheels? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. The gold six-spoke Enkies. Uh, yeah. Spit Spit Modena. Spit Modenas. yeah. Yeah, Spit Modena something racing by Enki. Yeah, All right. So that,
1: that would look cool in that car.
0: Yeah, they're the gold centers. I'm not going to do any restoration no. to them. No, they'll they, they 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 match the, the patina of the car, of the car pretty well. And uh, when I do paint the car, eventually, I'll probably restore them at the same time. But I mean,
1: you could probably get away with buffing the lips a little bit.
0: I'm going to buff the lips. So I'm, I'm going to buff right. the lips up, but I'm not going to paint the gold. I'm going to leave it the same until I yeah. paint the car. Because the plan is to paint the car with a nice, a very, very similar shade to it. That's current shade with more metallic in it. Yeah. And then do some kind of low rider lace what? work kind of stuff on the roof. What and you I'll should match, do, I'll match the wheel spokes to the gold in the roof when it's done.
1: Honestly, as a throwback to a prior car you owned, sure. You should do the Colt root beer brown because that
0: had nice metallic copper to it. Um, that is the color I'm thinking of. <laughs> but even in that case, just making it pop with a little bit more metallic. Sure, but so, but yeah, yeah, that's that... that's the that's the color I plan on doing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think here. I think my, my dad said plans in the world
1: that my mom's beetle they had repainted in that color because it was a oh, really? it was sort of a brownish color. Yeah, and they picked that cold brown color.
0: Chrysler used that color again in 2012 or 13 for the uh, very forgettable Chrysler 200. Oh, weird! But they used they used almost the same color. So there we, hmm. we had one at the body shop when I had that car and they were parked side by side and it was like the, the same color. So <laughs> it's definitely a, a a modern formula exists for that. So I, I do plan on doing that just with some more, a little bit more pop. And then, like I said, I'm, I plan on doing some low rider details on the roof and maybe match the gold in the wheels to whatever gold I use in the roof or just do the spokes in the same metallic brown as the car. I don't know yet, but.
1: No, so those, I think. I leave them gold,
0: yeah, because it's like a light yellowy gold. It's not like a super well, like I wheel said. Gold. When I have additional gold on the car, I'll match it to that gold. But until the car okay. gets painted, I'm not painting the wheels. Yeah, so.
1: it's pretty cool. I glad I had a little too much to drink one night. Went on Bayi. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't fit your car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of knew they wouldn't, but I was like, ah, oh, they're
0: they're so cheap. We'll try anyway. <laughs> that's the problem with these. The 14-inch wheels are like so cheap. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, that's, that's the plan is to run those. I also have a set of... I have a couple sets of wheels. I'm trying to determine what's going to get run on what. But there's three sets of wheels that currently aren't on cars. That are all 4 x one fourteen point three. 14.3. So there's that set. I have that set of BRS-EX. Uh, like they're kind of like a mesh three-piece wheel. They're a little deeper of an offset. Um, and then I have a set of the stock uh, Celica Supras, the four spokes. The ones eh. that look kind of like a eh. Starion wheel, but in four lo- in four spokes instead of five. So, so pedestrian but... on those cars. Oh, they are. And I'm probably going to put those on the 1981 Cressida. Yeah, that works in that car. So that's the plan. And the BRS-EXs are probably going to go on the 78 Cressida. So that's the plan. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's the plan of the car. So hopefully I'm supposed to meet up with this kid next weekend. And uh, he's going to drive his car over here. We're going to swap the fenders in the yard. And uh, he'll drive off on my wheels. So I think he's getting a good deal. I think I'm also getting a good deal because I get what I want. And he gets more but he gets what he wants so i think it works out so
1: you don't have to get rid of those wheels
0: yeah well my, my plan was actually just to keep them around for rollers just to have on a just to have on you know to put in a car to move it around while i was having wheels refinished and whatnot for Cressidas and other cars but that's fine i have the wheels that are currently on the Cressida for that so exactly i'm not gonna stress out about it so that's where we're at with that. So I'll be buying tires at some point this week to put in those wheels. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta dig them up from the back of the garage and clean them up. Maybe polish them the best I can. I'll probably get one. You know, I should probably get by is one of those that polishing ball that mothers makes. So I you can need get the flitzit ball. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'll just pick up one of those for the drill and uh, see if I can clean those up.
1: I think I so, did one of them already, sort of like to try.
0: Oh, I'll dedicate way too much time to them, like I always do when it comes to buffing abolishing. and polishing. Uh, and forty hours later, I'll have <laughs> mirror finish wheels, and I'll be annoyed. So, anyway, that's that's what's going on in the car. So, what else did I do, Andrew?
1: We just do the mirror.
0: Okay. Yes. So now the Corolla is done. The next broken car in line, story of my life, is the 1989 Mircor. So that car, since I've bought it, has had a couple of issues. And one of them is a battery drain. The other one, I don't know if I mentioned, is the turn signals work great during the day. However, when you turn the headlights on, The passenger side rear turn signal illuminates with the taillights. And it also illuminates the green turn signal indicator on the dashboard. And it will not allow you to signal a right turn with the headlights on. So there's some kind of a wiring issue that's causing, I assume, both the draw and that turn signal issue. So there are a couple things that could be. Uh, One could be it's the wrong bulb in the socket I've heard. Like the wrong number bulb in general. And the other thing I've heard is that there are different finishes on the bases of bulbs. And some European late 80s, early 90s cars are very sensitive to whether it's a silver bottom bulb or a copper bottom bulb with the amount of voltage they allow through. So I don't know what the... Truth That's of not that where is, I would have gone. <laughs> I I don't know what the truth of that is, but I've come across that same result like five times when doing searches on the internet. I would have thought you had a bad ground somewhere. That's all. the same. There's a ground somewhere is my thought is it's causing the issue. But some people are saying that using the wrong bulb in that socket causes the bad ground.
1: I mean, it's possible. I believe it. I've yeah, seen I'm, I'm not going
0: to discount it until I prove it's something else. Let's put it that way. So that's one of the things that car has for an issue. The other issue is, I don't know if I mentioned it on air or not here, but it was pissing fuel all over the driveway. So you may have, but I, I may have, but it doesn't matter. So it's pissing fuel all over the driveway. So obviously you can't drive it. I started the car. Well, actually I looked into the car and I could see it dripping round about where the inline fuel pump is. So this car has two fuel pumps. It has an in tank and it has an inline. So the inline fuel pump was dripping fuel out of the fuel pump. So obviously that's what my source is going to be. I put the key in the car. I turned the ignition to on, which in that car does power the fuel pump immediately. And it was literally just spraying fuel all into the car. So I went ahead and I ordered a fuel pump for the car. Actually, you know what? I did talk about that. So I went ahead and ordered a fuel pump for the car thinking the fuel pump went bad. So I got out the car finally after this event on Friday. So that was, I think, Saturday evening, I got out the car. And it has these interesting connectors on it. It doesn't have banjo bolts. It has plastic end caps that inside the end cap is a metal fitting. And in that metal fitting is a rubber O-ring. And this end cap is held on to the fuel pump with a plastic clip. So it's a U-shaped plastic clip. And apparently these are used across a lot of Fords and GM cars of the era. I've never owned a Ford or GM car of the late 80s, so I've never seen these before. They're very interesting. I'm surprised there's enough tension on any of this system to not leak fuel out of every connection. It doesn't make much sense. I think it relies a lot on the O-ring itself. So I pulled out the end that was leaking. And I looked inside. And I couldn't see the O-ring. So my assumption was that it was hard. And I just needed to like get another flashlight. I went to pull the one off the other side of the fuel pump. To see what was going on on that end. Let me back up a little bit. I was taking these ends off the fuel pump because I assume I'm going to be replacing the fuel pump. I pulled the front one off and looked at it, and so that was interesting, I didn't see an O-ring. I pulled the back one off, I didn't know it needed an O-ring either at this point. I pulled the back one off, the one that was not leaking, because I'm going to replace the whole fuel pump at this moment in time, and I see that inside of it is a bright yellow O-ring. So I went back to the one on the front and there's no O-ring at all. So, huh, that's weird. Maybe it's leaking because there's no O-ring. It seems like it would be an essential part of the system. Maybe it was on there and it was tight enough that everything was fine until it wasn't. There's another issue with the car that sometimes the car runs great through the whole rev range, through the whole boost range, and sometimes it doesn't. So now I'm wondering if, because this inline fuel pump is the high pressure pump, I'm assuming that Something in the car when the boost gets kicked up, the fuel pressure gets kicked up, right? So it probably sends a signal to the fuel pump for more more fuel.
1: No, that's not no. how that these old so systems work. So,
0: so it's a constant.
1: That's it's it's a constant pressure. the The pressure regulator is by uh, boost and vacuum on the regulator.
0: Either way, it changes the pressure inside the fuel system. Correct. The regulator does, not the pump. But, but that's pump just... Regardless pump of the pump, just pump. Yeah. The pump just pumps is, is a constant the thing. System, but, the system has more fuel pressure on it when it's in a high boost.
1: Right. But what you're thinking is that the pump is leaking, so it's not delivering enough fuel. Correct. So the pressure is dropping. Correct. But the pump is not a variable pressure pump. That doesn't
0: happen until you get to direct injection. Okay. So the pump stays the same all the time. Yeah. But if it's leaking fuel out instead of putting fuel into the system properly, sometimes when the, when the, let me explain how these U shaped clips work. So you put the end of the fuel line over the nipple on the fuel pump and you slide this little plastic clip on to hold it. So my assumption is that I know actually there's a little lip on the nipple and the u-shaped clip holds the thing so that it can't go beyond that nipple now if there's no o-ring in there there's still a bit of slack like even when they're on properly you can move them forward and back a few millimeters so if there's no o-ring on there sometimes just based on vibrations and movement and everything the piece might be a few millimeters back and not leaking and sometimes it might be a two millimeters in the wrong direction and leaking fuel. So when it's pushed on properly, it's delivering enough fuel. And when it's pulled back, it's leaking fuel, right? So that could be why it's intermittent problem with fuel and boost.
1: Sounds like it. Yeah.
0: Possibility. I mean, I'm, I haven't got the car back together yet. So, so anyway, the problem is these U shaped clips that hold the fittings on the fuel pump are plastic. Obviously the car is 1989. And it's a system that's full of fuel. So the plastic clips, one of them came off nice and easy. The other one did not. It shattered into a million pieces the second I tried to pull on it at all. So now I'm like, great. I have to find these ridiculous U-shaped clips for a 1989 Mercore. I'm never going to find these. Then I did find out that it is a universal kind of fitting that Ford used for years and GM used for years. So my assumption is they had some kind of a deal with Bosch or whoever was creating their fuel injection parts and they all use the same ones. So you can buy these clips. Now, the new problem, the front side of the fuel pump and the back side of the fuel pump have two different size clips. I have now bought four different size clips from different part stores around the area here. I've been able to replace the one on the front side, but I can't find a clip that fits the rear one. And even looking by application and getting the proper part number, I got those today just before recording time and they are the wrong size. So I haven't been able to put the car back together yet. Hmm. So I do have some that are the right length and they have the right Distance from the top portion to the hook that goes around the you know the raised part of the nipple on the pump But they're too too wide to fit in the slot so My next move I think is going to be just taking some Heavy grit sandpaper and trying to make them more narrow To see if I can slip them in to the fitting to hold it in place because it's quite frustrating because, again, I've bought four of these now. And now I've bought the ones that supposedly I need by part number. And I had to buy 20 of them, of course, because small parts and they're not right. So I have 20 of these actually all told now. I think I have uh, 28 clips <laughs> to replace the one clip and none of them are, are working. So cars not back together yet, but I don't think I need that fuel pump. Because the pump is pumping fuel. It's just, there's literally no O-ring in one of the fittings. I don't know if there never was an O-ring. I assume there never was because there's no remnants of an O-ring either. So I assume, or my assumption is that at some point the fuel pump was changed and the O-ring wasn't replaced. Or it came out when they took it apart and they didn't notice it and they put it back together.
1: Yeah, it seems usable. So
0: and the weird thing is, like I said, the car sometimes runs fine, sometimes doesn't. It didn't leak fuel at all the whole way here. It was in the top level of a car carrier, so they would have known because the car below it would have been covered in fuel. It hadn't leaked fuel in my driveway. A couple of times when I drove it, I smelled fuel. It concerned me. I was trying to figure out where it was coming from. I brought a fire extinguisher with me everywhere I went. Um, it never leaked in the driveway, and until one day, it was just literally like one drip every 3 seconds and the driveway was super strong smelling of raw fuel. So,
1: I mean, even if it's not causing your problem, it's a good place to start.
0: Oh, for sure. W- whether it's causing the problem or not, I need to fix it and I'm hoping it has the secondary effect of also fixing that problem. Uh, yeah. That's my hope. So, we'll see. I just got to figure out a solution for that clip and I just I haven't had a chance yet and like I said, I I I got the last ones just before recording tonight, and I was, you know, fingers crossed, he's going to be correct. And unfortunately, they were not. So now I'm at kind of a a bit of an end pass, but I'll figure it out. It's it's funny working on something that's modern-ish, like that car. Like it's, you know, late 80s. That's not a Mitsubishi. Or, or a Volkswagen. <laughs> Because I don't have much experience working on stuff from, you know, late 80s into the 90s that's not Volkswagen or Mitsubishi. And it's completely foreign, most of it, to me. Everything's very different. So, it's also a frustrating mix of metric and standard hardware. But, weird. Uh, I don't know that's supposed to be. I think that there's been enough people working on this car in the past that things have been Mickey-moused and moved around.
1: Yeah, because Ford and GM had started to move to metric
0: by that time, I think. They had, and this car is a Ford of Germany car. So my assumption is it came from the factory entirely metric. But a lot of replacement stuff has been done with standard fittings. Yeah, my pet peeve, putting metric stuff in a standard car. Yeah, match everything, please. Yeah. It makes the most sense. GM had a few years where they were the cars in general are just mixed and that's a pain, but I don't think this car, I don't, I don't think this car started that way. I think it's it was changed enough over the years. You know, I've in doing all this digging and looking for things. I found some other things that I need to fix like pronto as well. So there's definitely stuff happening here. Well, like those was my project cars.
1: Like I'm fine with like half inch, three quarter quarter eighth. Like I know, What's bigger and what's smaller? Sure, but when you get into like, fifteen 16ths. yeah, <laughs> and like, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I what's don't have a reference.
0: Fifteen 16ths and seven eighths, my friend. Why are they? Why do they exist? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. That stuff drives me crazy because. <laughs> yep. With metric,
0: it's just like, oh, this is a ten or this is a twelve. Oh, we've been working what's on 14? metric stuff so long that in general we can walk up to it and look at it and have a yeah. pretty good chance of grabbing I, the right wrench in the might, first try. That's a 10 mil bolt. That's a yep. 12. That's a 14.
1: Yep. That's a 17.
0: Sometimes <laughs> like a 14 or a 15 throws you for a loop. But, well, you know, most cars don't on, have 15s.
1: It depends on what car I'm working on. If I'm working on a a European car, I'm like, all right, so it'll have 13s. It'll have yep. 10s, 13s, and 15s. And then if yep. I'm working on a Japanese car, it'll be 10, 12, 10,
0: 14, 12, 14 17. 17,
1: and 19. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just, right. it's, anyway, it's one of those things that you learn over the years and you're comfortable with something. And, and that's, I think what I mean, like my only experience working on newer cars, not, you know, janky old carbureted stuff is Mitsubishi's and Volkswagens. So I've learned enough about those cars over the years that, yeah, some people get very frustrated working on a Starion, but I've had so many of them that they don't, I guess a scare isn't the right word, but there's not much that you can't have a pretty good idea what's going wrong before you get into it but something like this everything on the car is foreign to me because i've never i've never owned a ford and i've certainly never owned a euro ford so everything's just a little different so it's just that comfort level right like you start working on you know your eclipse or your talon or your gallant or just something that you know every bolt inside and out and you're just comfortable doing anything and then you try working something else you gotta learn. Working on the old Colts, working on the Cressidas, working on the Corolla, like everything is very basic. There's no mystery there. Working on this, get a lot more mystery. So. But that's how we do what we do. It's all a learning experience. Even the 944 is similar to a Volkswagen, so. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, there's not, not a lot of mystery there either. It's just there's so many, so many different things as Mercore that are just odd to me. So figuring right. it out. Let's play a game. It's been a while.
1: We haven't played Craig. Craig, don't tell me in like quite a while. So yeah, it's been
0: at least a year, probably more.
1: Yeah, we're gonna let's close out this episode with a game of Craig. Craig, don't tell me. Perfect. Do you want to go I first? Think, I think wintertime
0: is the perfect time for Craig, Craig, don't tell me because you don't have as many car projects usually. Exactly. So. Um, I can go first, sure. All right. Hit All me. right. So for those uninitiated, Craig, Craig, don't tell me is we find cars on Craigslist and we read the description to each other. And you have to try to figure out what the vehicle is based on just the description with the names of the car blocked out. Right. So. Or I can block out anything I want to block out that will give it away immediately. Exactly. So, okay. And the the rules are made up and nothing matters. Yes. So this is a blank, 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 blank. Four blanks, including the model, name, year, and manufacturer. The blank, 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 blank car was built by Harry Blank's company, between 1979 and 1982. Then carried along by Camelot Motors between 1983 and 1986. These cars were sold by Ford dealers throughout the United States. They were built to provide a classic look with modern reliability, allowing for much better drivability and handling than the original. The blank blank is a factory-built replica, big hint, authorized by the Ford Motor Company originally sold by Ford dealerships and backed by a Ford 12,000 mile, one year new car warranty. The car was built on a modern chassis with Mustang two suspension, Ford Pinto motor, Ford Fairmount steering components, and a fiberglass body so it will never rust. This particular car has 22,435 miles and was registered in 1980. The car went through a complete restoration refresh in 2018, always stored indoors, Completely repainted, resealed, engine retuned, new tires, new chrome, custom stereo, excellent car, public relations car, great for weddings, communions, movies, commercials, social media. I've owned other blanks, and this is way funner and easier to own. Oh, boy. So, man, I it's
1: clearly like some sort of vintage Ford that's been rebuilt
0: as a new vehicle. Rebuilt isn't the word you're looking for. Uh, reproduced, sure, repopped, sure. And but uh, this particular vehicle was sold brand new at Ford dealers with a Ford factory warranty. Uh,
1: did they do like model A's like this? I honestly don't know what this is. Okay, this is so too obscure for me.
0: All right, well, you got the model, so we'll give you that. All right. So from 1979 to 1986, you could walk into your local Ford dealer and you could buy a brand new Ford Model A. Weird. I didn't know this at all. Yep. The manufacturer was called Shea. Uh, it was the Harry Shea's Shea Motor Company, which then was bought out by Camelot Motors. Um, they were built on, he says here that it's a uh, Pinto motor and Mustang two suspension what they were was basically their Mustang twos that were turned into yeah. Yeah. shaved model A's um, there to, to the uninitiated to somebody who doesn't know model A's like very well, they could be pretty convincing at first glance. Um, a lot of them had the wrong wheel and tire combos. So they looked weird and you immediately see the front suspension. If you're any kind of a car person, is the is the usually the first dead giveaway that it's not a Model A? Yeah. The fact that it sounds like a 70s forward with running also helps. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then if you look inside, they look very Model A, but they generally have a Mustang 2 steering wheel and a Mustang 2 shifter. Oh, weird. Yeah. So these these are interesting cars. I wasn't sure if you knew about them or not. Um, I didn't. And I took a it's chance to Harry? Harry Shea. So that's a Shea Model A. I can send you the exact link that I'm working from if you want. So, yeah, some of them are really neat looking. Oh, okay. And some of them are terrible looking.
1: Oh, all right. So, there's no in between. It's funny cuz we were just ta- you're you're saying that the the Beetle was the first like retro car, but I don't know, maybe this.
0: Uh no, see, this is a <laughs> replica. Um that's different. Yeah. This is like the um, Mitsubishi RX33 or whatever. The, the model the, A, the
1: replica,
0: yeah, it was a model A. Oh, the Mitsubishi, wow. the, 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 the maroon one was the maroon Mitsubishi, yeah, model yeah, a or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no, you could... I
1: mean the the four wheel drive one they had. Oh, how right, they built right, the replicas right, right, right. for Dakar. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, these these are weird. Um, I wouldn't. Let's put it this way: if I found one of these cheap, I would buy it for sure.
1: Well, if you want a 30s style car
0: with the reliability drives... of Mustang
1: 2. <laughs> what, they aren't that unreliable. I mean, that <laughs> that Ford Pinto engine is used in quite a lot of places. We just a... talked
0: about a car with a Ford Pinto engine.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad engine at all. It's it's in my Mercure. Yeah.
0: So Some yeah. of the
1: cars that it was put into are questionable, but the engine oh, itself is pretty good.
0: Uh, so the Mustang 2 and the Pinto both get a bad rap. Yeah, they were both produced during the gas crisis. They're both produced after the five mile an hour bumper laws. They had two big things against them, which were both of those things. Neither of which is a bad car. The the Mustang, two just isn't the performer that the, you know, previous big block Mustangs and 302 Mustangs before were. doesn't mean it's a bad car. There are some trim levels that even look neat. Um, The Pinto with the little four-cylinder, they made great road racing cars, and there are tons of them that road raced all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's all marketing. It's just like I always say with my my beloved Dodge Colts. The rest of the world knows them as Mitsubishi Galants and Mitsubishi Lancers with this amazing rally history. But much like the Pintos and Mustang Twos, they were sold to America as economy cars. So when you sell something as an economy car, it gets known to be the economy car, and nobody wants it. So... I, uh, I'm i a big Pinto fan.
1: but Interesting. So Hemming says really the the big thing to check on these is the wheels because they're like fabricated. Yep.
0: That's like a, a lot of them were changed over the years and yeah. that's where you wind up with look weird looking things because when you, when you put a smaller wheel on, you wind up with... Yeah. Uh, it sits awkward and you can see the very obvious 70s Mustang 2 suspension in the front.
1: I... From thirty feet away, I would not give this a second look as being a not a right. Model A. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're neat, and it's cool that you could buy one from a Ford dealer. Like that's like so imagine strange. the safety the safety regulations at that time. I don't know what loopholes they had to do because obviously this car doesn't have five mile an hour bumpers. It doesn't have padded no. dashboard. It doesn't have all these things that were required by law.
1: <laughs> so. It's kind of bizarre enough that I want one.
0: Like I said, I I don't hate these. I wouldn't pay the twenty two thousand dollars that the one that I used for the example today is, no. but one of these for sub ten grand would be kind of a fun little runabout for, you know, own for for a a car show season or two, and then moving along. How bizarre! Yep. And yeah, to somebody who knows Model A's very well, there's lots of signs. You know, the door the door length is weird. The trunk length is too long. You know, the, the cars sit funny. The grill shell's not perfect. The windows are yeah, different. I, <laughs> but if you're
1: just driving this down the street, nobody knows this. Nobody
0: knows. No. No. Wow. Just weirdos like me would pick it up pretty quickly. But
1: the one I'm looking at on Hemmings, is like this lime green with black fenders. It's like really cool looking.
0: Now, you could be do something really cool and you could build a hot rod out of one of these. Now, what have you done? <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't know. I kind of like it like this because it's so strange.
0: No, they're definitely weird. I definitely dig them for the like strange part of history that they are. But yeah.
1: Wow. That is, that is obscure. Good job. No worries. (laughs) Where is that for sale?
0: Uh, the one I sent you is in uh, uh, Alameda, California. But I mean, they're they're fairly common. I don't know how many they made, but
1: my friend, that is a. That needs to go in part on the block.
0: Yeah, actually, I noticed that when I found it. That's what I'm going to leave it instead of there. So,
1: All right, cool. There. All right. Your turn. Let's try mine here. Yep. <laughs> let's, see if, let's see if we get this. Um, all right. Blank, blank. Six-cylinder, five-speed manual. Car runs and drives excellent. Factory T-top car. Appears to be original paint. Very nice original interior. T-top bags. Factory radio is not currently working. Nice tires. Very tight. Cars was, cars was purchased from a blank in North Carolina a few months back. Clean title. Cars part of a collection. He is not negotiable in price. No trades. That's all I get? That's all you get.
0: Read the engine part again.
1: Six-cylinder, five-speed manual.
0: Oh. It's a T-top with a six-cylinder. Yeah. Can I ask if it's a V6 or an inline-six? Because there's not much information here.
1: Uh, this would be a V6.
0: Okay. So it's a 78 Camaro Berlinetta. Uh,
1: right era, wrong manufacturer.
0: Well, I mean, the era is obvious because it's a T-top car. <laughs> um. Wrong manufacturer. So the only cars I can think of top of my head that came in a T-top configuration were the Camaro and Firebird. Yeah. Mustang. Yeah. Corvette, which yeah. Never came in a six-cylinder.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There were a couple of other full-size GM cars that came T-tops. Buick... I don't think you get a five-speed manual. They did a four-speed in the Buick Regals. Um, I'm trying to think if there was an AMC that came t-topped. But that I have to have give been, you harder
1: ones because you're better at this than me. So that
0: wouldn't have been a V6. That would have been an inline six. So was it on the right track? Is it a Firebird?
1: No, it's not an
0: F-body. Okay. So if that's the case, you said wrong manufacturer on Camaro, but you didn't say wrong family. So it's probably GM. So it probably is something like a Pontiac Can Am. Nope, maybe a V8. So forget that. I didn't say that one out loud. Damn it. Uh, Pontiac Can Am was based on a Lamas. So a Pontiac Lamas? Nope. Yeah, six there's... cylinder,
1: five speed manual,
0: t tops. There's not a lot of info to go on. That's that's what's what's that's what hurts me here. Is <laughs> like I try uh, six speed. So sorry, five speed, six cylinder, t tops. It's a V six car. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> Have I hit on it in my discussions here? No, not at all. Really? Oh, hold on then. Now I'm very curious. Oh boy. Did Chrysler do a T top car? I can't think of one. I'm going to self impose time loot on me here. Give, give, give Give me one more hint. You're gonna be so mad. Give you, give you one more hint. Uh, let's see. What's the displacement of the six cylinder? You know, three liter. That is not.
1: Or change. might be two
0: point eight. It might be a two point eight.
1: Yeah. Likely, it doesn't say, but it's likely a two point eight
0: actually. So that seems like GM again.
1: Nope. All right, let's call it Thunderbird. Nope.
0: Damn. All right, go ahead.
1: 1983. Yeah. Datsun. Damn it. 280ZX. You said V6. Yeah.
0: That's not a V6. It's not a V6? No, it's an inline six. Oh. Yeah. I thought they'd switch to V6 by this point. No, not the to the 280ZX. ZX. Not, not to the 300 Two two eighties are inline. Well, f- up then. Yes, you did. I never would have got there. <laughs> oh, I mean, I should have guessed three hundred ZX based on T top five speed manual. I didn't get there, but if you said inline six, I might have got there.
1: I could have sworn in the two eighties they would switched to a V six. No, an early early VQ.
0: Nope, that was the three hundred. The two sta- it stayed in line six until the Z uh thirty chassis, that's what it's called? Z thirty. This kind of squared off the eighty six body style. Oh, that's when it went okay. to a V six. So if you're in a if you're in a two hundred eighty, you still have the same yeah. two point eight that was in the in the two hundred eighty Z. So
1: this is a cool car. Very it's clean looking. It this is hundred and fifty nine thousand miles on it. Came sure. from North Carolina. It's like gold. It's got the naca duct on the hood, so I don't think it's a turbo, but it doesn't say it's a turbo. It doesn't say turbo on the back, right? But tan interior. It's very cool
0: looking. No, that's that's a very cool car. I, and these I are to, growing on me. Yeah, it's that same thing, man. Like earlier in the episode, I mentioned that I like a new Beetle, so I think it's okay if you say you like a two eighty ZX. So they're they're going up in value a lot too.
1: Yeah, this one's almost 10
0: grand. That seems cheap if it's if it's clean. Is that two plus two or two seater?
1: No. Two
0: seater. Nice. Man, do it. All right. I got another one for you. It's got tons of info. All right. so Okay. You ready? Did you get thinking? Yeah. I'm so mad at you still. Screw me up. All right. This is my very nice driver quality, blank, 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 blank. I purchased it prior to the pandemic, had fun fixing some small issues on it and driving it up down the coast a few times. Original California car with no rust issues. The body looked quite nice and has some small imperfections, but might as well be expected for a nearly 50-year-old car. Oop, gave you too much info right there. All right. It was gone over last summer by well-respected blank specialists, Walsh Bro in Berkeley, California, and given a clean mechanical bill of health. The two-liter fuel-injected engine runs very well and puts out close to its original 130 horsepower. The four-speed manual transmission with electric overdrive shifts smoothly. Power brakes stop the car quickly and easily, steering is crisp and in no way vague. I purchased and refurbished a set of the original chroma chromadora alloy wheels with new 165 series tires to reduce unsprung weight and the car is much easier and more pleasant to drive i still have the original steel wheels and hubcaps if preferred interior is nice seats are supple carpet and headliner present nicely air conditioner was refurbished and blue gold but now has a leak everything else works as it's supposed to the rear seats will actually hold two passengers but can be folded down for larger payload car drives nicely with a lighter wheel and tire combination. It's easy to drive and park. Ergonomically, it's good for long trips and short hops. An affordable, drivable classic will put a smile on your face and faces of others when you drive by. I get many thumbs up driving through Berkeley. Uh, best of all, it is a blank, which means it is very reliable, safe, and most parts are plentiful. There is good club support as well, with many Facebook groups dedicated to them. Finally, I'm a Craigslist regular. Please don't waste my time with shenanigans and tomfoolery. Is it a 122 Amazon? Oh, you're dangerously close in your first guess.
1: 142 Volvo?
0: You're in the right country of manufacturer and the right manufacturer. Uh, It's a two liter. Four-speed mechanical overdrive or electric overdrive. P-1800? It is a P-1800 ES.
1: Oh, I didn't even know they made those in fuel-injected.
0: Very good car. How much is that? Uh, You want to guess? It's red, red carpet, black seats, nice wheels, driving lights, super clean looking underneath. It's an ES. 30K? 24
1: yeah, I think they're, and I think they're, they're all being sold on Bring a Trailer. I get so many alerts of those like every well, day. This one's on Craigslist. Yeah, I, I like them. I'm not sure. I want one. I
0: don't know. I, just, okay. I, I, have this internal debate with these. Cars. I used to
1: really think they were cool, and then I'm like, eh, they're kind of like, they're kind of like the Volvo that
0: everybody collects. I think so what makes them cool is they don't look Volvo at first glance yeah. uh, and that one that's been floating around the internet the past few days, the rally prepped one. That's yeah, very cool. The blue one is very cool. And this car has a very similar look, but I go well, an then... internal debate with these cars all the time. Do I prefer the weird wagon or would I rather have the swoopy coupe?
1: Uh, the weird wagon's pretty cool.
0: It is, but so is the coupe.
1: And that's, and that's what, uh, our listener, Judge Mills, shared to our Discord the other day. Yeah, go join our Discord. Um, And it was one in Oregon for like five grand. Yeah. With like really rough. rough paint. That was rough, rough. Super rough. But like... Needed rockers, needed quarters. The car was rough. Oh, it didn't look that rough to
0: me. I was going to yeah. say, for like
1: five grand, if I was close to it, I'd go pick it up with a trailer. Uh, if like you zoomed not... in
0: on it, like, it didn't need to be replaced to enjoy the car, but eventually they would need to be replaced. They yeah, would, that's they that's,
1: that's my point. It wasn't like a car I would ship to myself. If I if I lived close though, I'd go mess with it.
0: Right. Yeah, it could be a fun driver, but it would never be a nice car without a no, huge bullet of no. cash.
1: No, if I could just go get it and then drive it, then yeah. But not not worth paying two grand to ship across the United States.
0: Yeah. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> well whatever. This, this car here would would be a much better proposition value wise. I'll send you the link so you can look at it later. So, all right, do you have one more for me?
1: I got one more. Or, let me see. Which one should I do here?
0: Well, I have I have one more too. If you want to do two more, So that's fine. Yeah, I've got two more. Maybe so quick, quick enough.
1: We haven't done these in a while, so we can do three each. All right, I'll give you this uh, blank, five thousand original miles. Corporate. Blank, blank, three liter, four cylinder diesel, Oop. five speed, single cab. I'll Oop, give you that hint. Yeah, brand new tires, running boards, extremely clean, no rust. That's it.
0: Man, see the problem is you got to find longer descriptions for me. Yeah. So, three liter four cylinder diesel. Hmm. Three liter four cylinder diesel.
1: All right, it's from Japan.
0: I I already know it's from Japan, so you don't have to tell me that. Um, I'm thinking of the diesel trucks that are out there on the road that would have a three liter. So Mitsubishi's biggest diesel was a 2.8, I think, in the States. Mm -hmm. And Nissan didn't do a diesel four, they did diesel six, I think. So that means it must be in a Zuzu. Nope. No. You
1: know the
0: hint? What era is it? Nineties. Nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's not an Isuzu. Nope. I know it's not a Mitsubishi in the nineties. Um. Nope. So that really only leaves Toyota. Okay. A to Toyota do a diesel? If they did, it's not common. I don't have any knowledge of it at all. From Japan. Yeah.
1: Which 5, again, five thousand original miles.
0: Oh crap! So it's an import. Yeah. Ah, uh, not gonna be anything.
1: Uh... Well, you know, it's a single cab, so you know it's a truck.
0: Yeah, no, I already get that. But it could literally be anything. I, God damn. So it's probably a Toyota. Or it could be a Nissan. Yeah.
1: You get the brand. No, you get okay. the brand. Okay.
0: So then it's a Toyota Hilux. There's nothing. It is. Yeah, nothing else it could be.
1: It's a Hilux fire truck.
0: Okay. See, I, it's I for don't. for sale
1: here in Tingsboro, Mass., which is interesting.
0: Yeah, and they probably want 20 grand for it.
1: They want 27 grand for this oh, thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, and it's, so it's not even like, it doesn't even have a fire truck apparatus on it. Yeah. It's got a bed with seats in it, like a troop carrier set up with sure. like canvas. So you could like, I guess the firefighters would sit in it and they drive to the firefight and then <laughs>
0: they drive to the fire know, blow, blow on the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't
1: know. They blow on the fire. Like there's no, there's no like water carrying in this thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's why it only has 5,000 miles on it. Yeah. They didn't use it very much. No, that's, that's interesting. I, I I honestly, I admittedly, I have zero knowledge of Toyota diesels. I'm not even sure they sold one in this country. They may have, I just don't know. Like, this is neat. This is a lot of money for this truck though. It's a lot of money for what it is. No. So again, I obviously, you know, and the listeners know my former job was in the auto, the vintage car, like auction space. And we would get this kind of stuff submitted to us all the time. And you know that they pay next to nothing for that overseas because nobody in Japan wants that. So it's useless they,
1: outside of what it was used for.
0: Right. They probably bought it for five or six thousand dollars. And then they think it's they think it's worth thirty grand plus over here because they look at the Toyota truck market. The worst ones even than that are the ones that are FJ based. So like F J sixty, FJ, you know, eighties and all that stuff they ship them over here and they have the back cut off and they have some kind of a utility bed on with fire apparatus in it. Most of them are missing the hoses and stuff because the fire department that sold the truck kept all that because it's universal. So you expensive. get this, yeah, and it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. You get this useless fire truck and we get them submitted to us or we did when I worked there all the time. People were like, I want $45,000 for this because it's a low mile FJ. Well, sure. Sure. It's a low kilometer FJ, but much of what makes it an FJ is gone. <laughs> like it's a yeah. useless vehicle painted in bright red. Like nobody wants this thing. Nobody wanted Japan. That's why you got it cheap. You didn't come up huge on something here. So yeah, the one that you just sent me is uh, also the it's wrong. Nice. It's cool. It's the wrong body style to be worth that much money also. So yeah, no, he's going to own that for a long time. So, all right. I got one more for you. All right. Ready? Yep. Blank, blank, blank.
1: hmm
0: Blank rear wheel drive. Four-speed manual transmission. Bench seat. Okay. Two-liter engine has not been rebuilt, but does run very well. Clutch and brakes engage well. Battery, just a few months old. Tires, lots of tread. Comes with original, key, and manuals. Does not have AC. It was not installed from the factory. It has spent most of its time in Bay Area in California. Frame is in great shape. Body has minor surface rust. Dashboard is cracked and there's a tear in the driver's side of the seat. Odometer stopped working at 205,800 miles. Hmm. Best guess on the mileage now is 230. Uh, My personal rule there, Andrew, is probably double that from where it was before. So probably 260,000 miles. It is in generally great shape for 40-year-old vehicle. I've taken it over the hill to Santa Cruz quite a few times. That's never given me issues. So your hints are 2-liter rear-wheel drive, 4-speed bench seat, yeah. frame, great shape. So it has a frame. Oh, okay. 2-liter, 4-cylinder. Bench seat, rear-wheel bench drive. rear drive. Manual transmission so it's uh just past small nissan
1: hard body pickup truck
0: you are super close but you are incorrect uh well it's a mitsubishi mighty max you are in the same vein of close but you are no more correct
1: (laughs) uh it's a
0: it is an r series mazda version Hold on, let it has, it has an R-series engine.
1: It's a Mazda pickup truck. It has an R-series engine.
0: It has an R-series engine. R-series engine. As a 22R-series engine.
1: Oh. Oh, we got another Toyota pickup truck, huh?
0: Yeah, ironically, I also chose a Toyota pickup truck. This one here is a 1982 <laughs> Toyota pickup truck. Um <laughs> a white a white long bed uh eighty two. Very oh, cool. cool truck. It's fifty five hundred bucks, and I'm having a hard time not emailing the guy and going out there and picking it and throwing my truck in the trash. Because this truck is rad as hell. Hmm. If it was a hmm. year or two earlier with the round headlights, I would be emailing this gentleman. Hmm. So yep, that's a good truck. Interesting. Very good truck. I want it. I want it. So, all right. One
1: more and then we'll wrap up. Okay. This has been fun. All right. Normally we do two, but I'll take this time. This is blank. Body interior X condition. One repaint about 10 years ago. Over 16K invested. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Very solid car. 304 rear wheel horsepower. Have dyno sheet. Got many extra parts included. Blah blah blah. Let's do a rest. All right. You'll probably you might get it from the partial list of work done upgrades. Okay. Ibac lowering springs. Okay. Uh, saline braided stainless oh, steel lines. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. New headlights. New brakes. Blah blah blah. Garrett fifty trim stage T three turbo. Bowport head with two point one cam. Stinger gutted, knife-edged intake, Pimp engine management system, Stinger front-mounted intercooler, uh, stainless steel three-inch downpipe, Spartan adjustable wideband, adjustable boost controller, Walbro two hundred and fifty, aluminum radiator, Hurst shifter.
0: So that's it. You said Celine Barts,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: I immediately think Mustang. But then you said three-inch downpipe. Yep. Like singular, yep. Nothing about headers. So workport
1: head with two point one yeah, cam. I gonna
0: say, I heard the head, and then I heard the cam. Yep. So my assumption is that this is a modified Mustang SVO.
1: Yes, this was on purpose. I figured okay. you'd, you'd get this from.
0: Well, I mean, you said you said you said saline. I immediately thought Mustang, but then I was like, maybe he's yep. tricking me because they did other stuff with Fords. But then when you got to the downpipe, I was like, oh, OK, because most Mustang people would talk about their headers It'd be like BBK long tubes yeah. or short tubes. And but you said downpipe. And I was like, this means it's a four cylinder. And then you said head. You didn't say heads. <laughs> so I think SVO. Yeah. Yep. Which is cool. This is
1: actually this is a pretty cool car. I, I like those... 16.5 for it.
0: Yeah, they're probably worth, it's probably worth it if it's nice.
1: Fifty four thousand miles. It looks very nice.
0: Yeah, I, I like those cars They're, I mean, mechanically, they're very similar to my Mercosur uh the big differences obviously are oh it's
1: got five lug wheels interesting
0: it could be swapped
1: that's yeah must be swapped yeah it doesn't say that but it it has you know, to be
0: swapped because is it a smooth headlight car or tunnel headlights it is a smooth headlight car so the later cars may have been i think the later cars were five lug it would have had the even though dish wheels yes yeah those are five lug
1: even though a later Fox would be four lug, later Foxes were also five lug. No, like the last year Foxes, a ninety three. Yeah, i I definitely know like the ninety and ninety ones we've seen our friends have were four lugs. I so. know
0: that the later SVOs were five lug because they had that like dished, almost turbo looking wheel, and it was a yeah. five lug.
1: Yeah, so that's strange. Yeah, those are cool they because.
0: They're very similar to uh, the Mercore. The biggest differences are the Mercore has an independent rear suspension. So it has that one up on the SVO. But the SVO has an intercooler, which the Mercore does not have. So it has that one up on the Mercore. So it's like, if only you could combine the two and get the best of both worlds. But I actually really like the SVOs. I think that they're just awkward looking enough to be cool. And uh, I kind of want one. Yeah,
1: the front
0: bumper is different. I can tell. And the headlights are different. Than a regular Mustang? Yeah. So the big differences are the hood, the header panel, the bumpers, the trim on the side, like the little spats in front of the wheels. Yeah. The but trim the f- on the quarter panel, like behind the window, is different. Oh, yeah, I can see it. And it has uh, the dual like plane the fender, of the rear doors. Wing.
1: This has got a regular, oh, yeah, The dual plane. It's got the, it's got, like, a same LX, like, wing, but with the dual plane stuck on top of it. It has on the one on it. top of it.
0: Yep. And it has the weird, like, behind the quarter glass, it, instead of being multiple, like, 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 three or four vents, it has the one vent in there, probably. And then a lot of the trim oh, this is, is body this color is and very, not black.
1: Yeah. This is a very cool car.
0: But that particular car, uh, you said it was, what, 54,000 miles for 16 grand? Yeah. If that's true and the car is as nice as you say, um, that's a pretty solid deal. So, I mean, it's it's not, you're not going to flip it and make a ton of money on it. No, but but I would just own it. Yeah, that's, that's good. Is is that a local Boston car? It is. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice car. If it's not all cut up and hacked up and it doesn't sound like it is based on the.
1: No, I sent you the link. You look at it afterwards.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good car.
1: That's cool. Uh, yeah, only posted 12 hours ago, so it's yeah. new.
0: Run out and buy it. Sell your Q45. Turn it into a Mustang. The SVO is kind of underappreciated still. I mean, Fox bodies in general are still generally unappreciated. Really? Yeah, they I... really are. So I, I think I, I wrote, again, going back to promoting Parked on the Block here, I did another blog for Parked on the Block earlier in the week. I don't know if you read it or not. Um, it's titled uh, One to Hold. And it's about a Mustang GT convertible because the Mustang GT and the convertible and the coupe in general have not popped. Mechanically, they're identical to the five liter LXs that have popped a little bit, but the, the nicest low mile GT in the world is still sub 20 grand.
1: I think people just don't like the extra body kits, of the GT, but it's I think eventually,
0: I think eventually they're going to be worth something. I don't think they're gaudy. I just think that they're, I mean, it's, it's like 200 pounds heavier than an LX, which was the reason the LX was more popular, but
1: a lot of them have the, the rocker parts like drooped.
0: Sure. But that's all repairable. It's, it's not a, a flaw with the panel itself. It's the retainers in the bottom. So you can, you can fix that pretty easily. Um, and a good GT that you just change up from those louvered taillights to a standard LX taillights and the right set of wheels, they have a really nice look. And the one that I posted was a red-on-red red convertible with under 100,000 miles, beautiful interior. I mean, it wasn't automatic, but it's a convertible, so it's a cruiser anyway. Um, it was sixteen grand, I think, for a, a stunningly beautiful car with a nice paint, nice interior, like just a bone-stock car. It was great. So... I think that that's the kind of car that if you bought now, one that had you know some miles on it, seventy-five to a hundred thousand miles, and you kept it for a few years, you used it sparingly, put a thousand or two thousand miles a year on it, just using it to enjoy it, and you were going to sell it in four or five years. I'm not going to guarantee you'd make a ton of money, but I know you definitely wouldn't lose a dime. It's a great place to park your money, I think. So, hmm. I think that Mustangs are. Buddy Mustangs in general haven't really popped. There's a couple that have, you know, the 93 Cobra R, obviously. Some of the Saline cars, mm-hmm. obviously. But as a, for a general, everyday Mustang, and even these SVOs, which I think are pretty special, they have not popped yet. And I, I think they're going to very soon. Because, again, those blue-chip ones have. And I really think that the lower-end stuff's going to follow along. So, I mean, I... Well, thinking back to working for the auction company, we had a, so one of the four ride Fox body cars in a convertible, it was a GT before the GT had cladding. So the early GTs where the GT was just a V8 pretty much it was a five-speed maroon convertible had like 36,000 miles on it. The reserve was like 11 grand. So they're definitely, uh, they're definitely out there. So. Anyway, cool. Well, that was fun. Next well, time, make sure you find more like this that have a lot of information <laughs> instead of the ones just like this car is. A,
1: I'm trying to make it hard. For speed.
0: But yeah, hell. You usually get it so fast. You got so. make it a little bit. Of, I, I I need some info, and I also need the correct info. All right, all right. Yeah, that was my fault. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that.
1: <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up here. So, all right. Yeah, re. Uh, you can message us. So we'll send you the link if you want to join us on Discord. Uh, and you can follow the podcast, Auto Off Topic Podcast, on Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Instagram, Auto Off Topic on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm race and anger on Instagram as well, race and anger. Uh, and also go check out parkedontheblock.com. You can sign up for email alerts. And we do have a Twitter we're trying to get some followers for. And an in Instagram. We're trying to get some followers for, for uh, trying to get some stuff posted there. So go help us out. Give us some follows. And Brad, where can they find you?
0: Uh, they could also find me, obviously, uh, active at Parked on the Block. Um, again, that Twitter that we're trying to push out there is Parked on the Block with no K. And then they can find me at TSISS350 on Instagram. And uh, I I did attempt this Twitter issue here, but. Um, unfortunately, I screwed some things up, but my name there is uh, DeSantis underscore Brad.
1: And what about Scale AutoCast?
0: Oh, yes, we have Scale AutoCast also on the Instagrams. So you can find that there or link through some posts on the Auto Off Topic Instagram. You'll find it as well.
1: All right, cool. I think that's it. It so, is. So as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses.